Your ability to persuade others is one of the most powerful resources you will ever discover. During this eye-opening podcast, you'll join Wayne Sutton, founder of Neuro Persuasion, as you uncover the secrets of influence based upon science and proven in the real world. Okay, guys. So as we were talking last week, we're going to jump right back into neuropersuasion is really all about influencing yourself. That is key. That is first. That is foremost. I've coached so many people and helped so many people in sales and marketing, but I realized they always hit a bump or they always hit a, a, a place in their business where it would fall back apart unless we first worked on their own self. You need to learn how to influence yourself, get your mindset straight, understand how you make decisions, and then we can move into influencing others. And then from that, you impact the world. A true leader, a true leader will impact the world, because whatever that world is, your family, your corporation, the continents, I don't care, whatever your world is, but only if you can influence yourself first. I joke a lot about those who coached with me for a while. One of my favorite cartoons ever used to be Pinky and the Brain. Think about Pinky and the Brain. Two little mice that were determined to take over the world. The problem is Pinky had no clue. Lost as the days long. He couldn't influence himself. He definitely couldn't influence others. The Brain had the power. He had the mindset. He had the be little whatever, but he couldn't influence his own self. He had no, there was no structure. And so a silly cartoon that you can really learn a lot from if we're going to impact the world. And so we're breaking this down. Everything that I do teach, if you're watching this live, you're watching this on a replay, you go to yourpersuasioncoach.com. We have our replays from our free classes. We have our podcast blogs and so much more, as well as the opportunity to work with me. Something I was just telling um, as far earlier, we had three coaching programs. We've eliminated one. We're down to two. So if you're looking to work with us, now is the time. So there's my big sales pitch. So today I want you to take notes. And today I mean that whether you take notes, you take out your phone and take some pictures, you're going to learn five suggestibility types. And even as I go through this, and even as you're listening, I'm sure that people are just going to pop in the front of your mind. Maybe you'll think, oh, I know that person. They're obedient. Or, wow, the, this one sounds a lot like my friend that's the rebel or the skeptic. And the reason this is so important is when you're trying to influence one person, you're trying to sell them, you're trying to recruit them, you're trying to persuade them in any area, you have to know where they're coming from. What's their dominant type, their dominant thought process? Now, that doesn't mean somebody that's obedient can also be sensitive. Or somebody that's a sensitive can't also be uh, contrarian. But there's a dominant place, a dominant mindset. Without going deep into temperament therapy, we're just going to give you the five types. Because also as we go through this, you'll begin to see where do you fit in this. Some of you I know, and I can tell you where you're at. Some of you I don't know that well yet. So where do you fit in this? So number one is the obedient. This is a small part of the population, but it's a very, very relevant part. They're very obedient. They were most likely part of their temperament, inborn temperament, they were obedient. They've been trained to be obedient. Things have happened in their life, they're very compliant. 
Anybody ever see a hypnosis show? Like when they pull you on stage and make you do silly things or whatever? Okay, here's the key. They'll have 100 people in the 100 people in an audience. They do compliance testing. So they test to see who's most suggestible, who's obedient. Obedient sounds like a bad word, it's just compliant. And as the, as the hypnotist is watching, he sees who's most compliant, brings them to the stage because they'll follow through with the commands. It's really simple. And we're going to show you some of the things over the next few weeks of how they do that. What if you just imagine, what if you could meet somebody with one or two simple statements, recognize if they're naturally compliant or not? Make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? So obedient. Second is sensitive. Sensitive is not a negative word by any means, but they move by targeting their feelings, their emotions. Now, everybody is influenced by emotion. We cover this in, in our coaching. We, we show you examples. But some people are moved more quickly through their emotions. So if you can recognize, again, through a few statements, a few questions, a little observation that they're more sensitive to emotions, they're moved by the heart first and the head follows, then we can change our language and we can change our attachment to them and help guide them. So this is the next in order. Contrarians. Okay, this is the person, if I said, Brandon, the sky's blue today, you would, not you, but somebody, a contrarian would say, that's kind of gray. Hey, this is a great price for this car. Uh, it's a little expensive. They're powerful, they're willful, and they like to be in charge. And a lot of this like to be in charge is an unconscious need. Most likely, they were never in charge in another part of their life, and they're trying to gain that. So how do we get them to follow us? One thing is you simply dare them to do something. Now, you don't have to say, I double-dog dare you, but it has to be a little bit of a challenge. It has to be, these are, these are people that will do very well in a challenge, whether it's an online challenge, online or, or in, interpersonal communication challenge, whatever. If they can be dared to do something, then they'll start moving your way. Contrarians. And again, very easy. Mis mismatchers a lot of times, people will say. Okay, rebels. I love talking about rebels because I usually don't waste my time. And most people come and say, Wayne, I want to be able to persuade anybody to do anything. Well, that's a great, I guess, outcome if that's what you're looking for. But you'll be a lot more successful if you just persuade those that are worth working with. Rebels, I really don't waste my time. Even if you influence them, they're usually not worth energy. Where I will make the exception. If this person can lead me to someone else, this person is the, the missing cog in the wheel. Everything will come together if I can get this person on board. Or... If I'm doing counseling, mentorship, and it's a suicidal, I can save their life or save someone else's life. I don't know how many times, guys, those who know my background, I did a lot of coaching, a lot of counseling. I don't know how many times I'd get a phone call and it was a suicide prevention call. They're on the edge of suicide. And they're rebels in many cases. Many cases, they are very either contrarian or, or moving into the rebellious stage. Now it's worth my energy. But don't you think if somebody comes and you can literally save someone's life, it's worth learning how to influence people. So rebels. 
Now, this is where most people in your normal communication is going to fall. And that's the skeptic, or I call it the moderate skeptic. They like to form their own decisions and judgments, but they're open to influence in the process. I had a gentleman earlier offer me something. It was a, it was a, he was offering me a consultant package for one of my businesses. And he said, it's A or B. And I'm, I'm, I'm in my head figuring out which way do I want to go with this. And he said, but may I make a suggestion? May I make a suggestion? It's a very, very powerful little phrase. Absolutely. May I suggest this because of this? And then he gave me another reason to come back. May I suggest a partial payment, not the full pay? And within 30 days, if you're completely satisfied, you can just pay the difference and save the X amount of money. But that was me. It was rational. It sounded rational. It was really emotional. I got to form my own decision. But he offered, may I make a suggestion? It's very powerful. Now, when it comes to people forming their own decisions, in neuropersuasion, we talk a lot about the genesis effect. Where did the thought originate from? If I say, Kim, you need to do this, Kim may put up a red flag. Kim may go, no, I don't think so. The resistance could be too high. But if I were to simply make some statements, ask a few questions, and Kim begins to see, I want to do this, then suddenly it's her decision. Skepticism's low. The actual, literally, the cortisol inside the brain level is low. She starts seeing hope. What happens when people start getting hopeful? Serotonin and dopamine start dripping. Now I'm literally changing the chemical makeup of their own mind by giving them an option. So I want you to go through these five. I'm going to show them to you one more time. And I want you to just, and you don't have to ask or answer here, but this would be a great exercise to tune in in. How do I know if somebody's obedient or sensitive or contrary? You need to go and start and think of people in your life. Think of someone in your life. And go, where did they, think of your spouse. Where does my spouse fall in this? Now, this is very interesting. Where does my spouse fall in our daily walk? Where does our spouse fall in family decisions? religion, where does she fall in each of these areas? Because a lot of people will be very compliant or obedient in one area, but a contrarian in the other. And the reason I want you to do this with your spouse, with your friend, with clients you're working with, is because it starts training you. If you want to get in shape, you have to train, Period. And that training, I, I, I literally just did a workout. I promise you I don't feel anything from the workout but tired at this point. But over time, day after day after day, you start honing in the muscles. You start training the body. When you go, well, wait, I just met this person named Tim. Is Tim obedient, sensitive, contrarian? Where does Tim fit? It'll start training you to be able to see it quicker. Usually within five to 10 minutes of a Zoom call, I know where somebody's at. I know I ask a few questions, make a few statements, and I know where they're at. Now I can tailor the rest of our conversation so they feel comfortable and they want to work with me. Make sense? Okay. 
So obedient, sensitive, contrarian, rebels, moderate, skeptics. This is really important. Suggestion trickles down from media, influential leaders, and anyone that have a place in our mind. If someone has a place in your mind, understand this. Everything influences you. So be careful who you spend time with. Sounds so cliche. But if someone's actions, words, communication style is going to influence you, and it does, then be careful what we, what we watch. So let me, get, let me share with you a few tips and tricks to keep myself productive and keep myself in a positive state of mind. Wake up in the morning, I have prayer. Uh, me and my wife go down, we have coffee. We turn on ABC News on YouTube. Why do I do YouTube? Because I know it's a 10 or 15 minute segment. All the news I need to know what's happening in the world today. And it's short. And when they start recycling the news, that means I've already seen it. I heard that story a while ago. 10, 15 minutes, I'm done. Then I turn it over to, for me, I turn it over to a ministry uh, channel. And I watch a few minutes of that. Getting my mindset, my spiritual set, all that. Then I have a... Uh, priming technique. I learned from Tony Robbins, a priming technique I go through to get my mind straight. Then I move forward. But I understand I'm going to be influenced by ABC News. I'm going to be influenced by the ministry. I'm going to be influenced by what books I'm reading. And here's the beautiful part. If you're influenced, so are the people that are around you. If I want Brandon, Brandon's one of my clients. If I want Brandon to really grab a hold of something, I could definitely say, hey, Brandon, and we could talk about it in a coaching session. What else can I do? If suggestion trickles down, I can recommend certain channels, YouTube channels. Brandon, you should check this out. Hey, Brandon, you should read this. I mail them a book if I think it's going to help them. Does that make sense? We can, we can truly begin to help people, influence people by understanding what they read. Now, this is, can be done in a very negative manner. You see a lot of cults and stuff do this. Then you see people that, that have the best of intentions do this. So you just have to look, how do you do this? And that's very important. So think about this too. Even today, it's um, here in Eastern time, it's two o'clock, but whatever time it is there, I want you to think throughout the day, what have I looked at that I look at every day? What have I listened to that I listen to every day? And has it influenced me? Because it has. Well, maybe what's something I saw today that I haven't seen before? And how did that influence me? Suggestion trickles from media, influential leaders, anyone. And if that's true, then how do we help people in their suggestibility? So here's six factors. I hope you wrote the five tops down. These are six factors of suggestibility. Okay. First is influence from another. And that's often having a moral quality. You're influenced, as I said in the morning, I'm influenced by this one ministry channel that has different ministers. I'm influenced by that. I know I'm going to be influenced by that. I open my heart and my mind to be influenced by that. What I read, if I'm reading something, am I reading? I know this author. I can get a quick overview of the book. Am I going to, I'm opening myself to be influenced by reading this book. The second way people are suggested, you know, or, or persuaded is the tendency to imitate. How do you know? I mean, 
think about this. We imitate those who are around us. I'll go back to hypnosis. Do you know hypnosis works really well in countries, works very well in London, works very well in the United States, works very well in countries where hypnosis has been seen, even if it's been exploited or even if it's been made, you know, dramatized. If they see hypnosis, they've seen somebody go in trance, they've seen it on a movie, the kids are watching cartoon the other day and they hypnotize this other cartoon character. My daughter said, is hypnosis real? And, and so, so, but they got the structure for it. So if they see somebody fall into trance, then they know also, even unconsciously, I need to do what that person did, which usually means close your eyes, drop your head. Okay. You know, if you go to a country where it's very rarely seen, parts of China, other nations where they, they never, you talk about hypnosis, they don't, have a, they don't have a preconceived map of their own reality for it. It's harder to get that person to fall into trance. Can be done, but it usually looks totally different. Milton Erickson would talk to people just like this. He would never say fall asleep, never say close your eyes, but just in the talking, he would elicit certain criteria. He would embed commands. And they wouldn't have change. But it's, if people were tendency to imitate, we imitate those around us. Go to a ball game. I'm not a ball games fan. I don't. I couldn't tell you what season it is. People are like, how was the game? I'm like, what? What sport? What, what are we talking about? <laughs> That's just not me. But if you go to a ball game, watch how people imitate their applause. Watch how they imitate the players. Watch how everything is imitation. Number three, preconceived ideas. Preconceived. This is how hypnosis looks. This is how sales look. This is how real estate is done. These preconceived ideas are very powerful. The problem is they paralyze the critical mind. They paralyze the critical mind. If I say this, you're going to respond this way. Let's go. I'm going back to hypnosis. And then they go, okay, that's how I'm supposed to do it but you're leaving yourself closed to all the possibilities. Okay, next is expectant attention. Very similar to preconceived, but these are patterns that people go through. Self-fulfilling prophecies, automatic responses. Somebody gets a $20,000 per year raise on their job. $20,000 a year sounds great, but their pattern of thinking is stuck at the old pay grade. So they, they, they self-sabotage. Now, let's look on the positive side. If I was going to sell Brandon an automobile, I could say, hey, Brandon, I know that you bought your last vehicle because you were looking at something, I guess, like for the soccer team, like you could put your kids in, soccer or stuff like that. Thanks for what you told me, Brandon. And, and so Brandon said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other, how did you make that decision? And just asking them, how do you make a decision? Anything they've done in the past, they're pretty much going to do the same thing again. I see that you bought this life insurance policy, Kim. Do you mind sharing with me how you made the decision to do that? What was it you saw or heard that made you go, yes, I want this? And then you really, that, that expected attention is, again, the pattern they're going to follow. Number five is the manipulation of imagination. I want you to think propaganda here. Manipulation of imagination. 
So we're asking people to imagine something, but then we're telling them how to imagine it. Now, vagueness here is powerful. I'm going to give an example. And I don't care. Again, I'm, I'm, this is political free here. So I'm just going to give you an example, though. When we look at something, uh, I have a friend who literally just got out of the hospital yesterday for COVID. So I know COVID's real. Again, we just want to use that as an example. But how much propaganda has been placed into the media and politically about COVID? The imagination. There was one news channel, NBC News. They finally apologized for it. But they showed. And when I saw it, I'm like, why did they show this? I had to rewind the TV. So they're showing a hospital. They're showing people in there with COVID. Then they jump to this big, big warehouse of caskets. And they show these caskets for a few minutes. And then they jump back into the hospital. Two or three hours later, I'm watching a different channel. They show a different hospital. Then they show the same warehouse or this big room full of caskets like at a funeral home and then they jump back into the COVID well the reason they did this and multiple channels were using the same clip was to instill fear now fear because they want you to stay safe and fear because they want you to wear your mask and whatever or fear because they want more ratings that's up to them which way their the heart was on it but just by putting those caskets in there for just about two to three seconds. What does a casket represent? Represents death. And it wasn't a casket, it was many caskets. So again, it was propaganda. Same could have been somebody in a hospital. Then somebody high-fiving them as they come out of the hospital instead of the caskets. Somebody celebrating as they got free, they come out of it. Again, would be propaganda of its influence and the emotion. If any of you have ever gone to the Holocaust Museum here in the States, uh, the one in New York, it's a terrible, terrible place that you have to go. And then walk through the section where they show you the propaganda for not one or two years for the Holocaust, but like two decades before. And this series of things they did to implant thoughts and embed emotions. Okay, last is distraction. An distraction is a pattern interrupt, which can be very simple. You're scrolling Facebook, and there's an image that catches your eye. Most times, it'll be very vibrant, very colorful. It could be sexual, maybe, maybe a sports team you like, maybe a dog or cat, whatever, but it's unusual. Maybe the picture's upside down. It just stops the pattern of thought for a second. That's a pattern interrupt. Then you can make your statement. Recent events can be. 9-11 was terrible. 9-11 was a pattern interrupt for the whole, most really the whole world, but definitely here in the States. It's a pattern interrupt. Our daily life stopped. When the daily life stopped, what did we do? We turned to news. Many people turned to faith, but they all turned somewhere and they were fed a narrative. whether it was George W. Bush saying what he was going to do or whether it was a narrative from one of the political sides, we were fed a narrative and we believed it for the most part, whether it's true or not. COVID, very, very deadly disease, but we're fed narratives. 
and we believe it. The reason I'm bringing this up is if we're all influenced, then how do we influence other people? How do we influence other people? So think about your product, your service. Think about your product, your service, and how you want to influence people. So tendency to imitate. Can you show other people who've joined your team, Brandon? Can you show other people, Kim, that have purchased your product, went your way, and this is what they're getting for it? This is their, what they're receiving. Can you tell them in advance? That's a tendency to imitate. Can you tell them in advance what to expect? Future pace. Hey, the great thing, Rome, is when you come on board with us, well, your next step, Rome, is this. And when this happens, this happens next. And you give them a pattern. The mind likes to know what is my next step. Where do we go from here? And they're either going to fill it in with their own imagination, or you can manipulate that imagination. Call it propaganda. That's what I call it, right? You can manipulate that by future pace and how it would work to work with you. Now, distraction. What's happened in the world today that you can basically piggyback upon? What's a current event that has happened that you can go to someone and go, did you see this? Did you recognize what happened here? And you can piggyback upon that. Those in real estate, what's happened is the, the markets went up for, for sellers, the seller market. How do you piggyback that? How do you find people that are not listing agents? They're buyer agents. They hate it. They hate this market right now. But they're losing bid, losing bid. How can you say, what if there was a better way? What if there was a better way of building wealth without just running people all over town showing homes? What if there was a better way based on what's happening now? So a friend of mine called, I talked to earlier. He has vending machines, literally these vending machines that they put into different restaurants and just public places, literally with candy in it. People can put coins and they get candy. He's like, the economy is not where it needs to be. Less and less people have cash on me. We go somewhere, my daughter's, can I get a piece of candy? I don't have, I don't have, a, I don't have cash on me, almost never. So technology's changed. ATM machines. There was a time when you could go buy 10 ATM machines. You could put them in a barbershop or different places. You had cash flow because every time they used it, you got a fee. I went to the barber a few weeks ago. Oh, goodness. I forgot my cash. And he said, oh, there's a vending machine. There's an ATM machine. They charge $3. The bank charges a couple bucks. Problem solved, right? He said, or you can just Venmo me. Oh, I'll just Venmo you easier. So the technology has changed. So how do you, why am I telling you that little simple story? Because you can tell people in your industry, winter is coming. There was a time vending machines would make you a lot of money. There's time that even ATM machines were ingenious to put in places. But it's less and less because winter is coming for those industries. There's a time when whatever you're selling, whatever you're offering, is not going to be as it is. You need my service to become better. This is how you got to position yourself. So it goes back to marketing. It goes back to how do you position yourself before you try to persuade someone. Now, 
ask this of your own business. How can I use a recent event? How can I use a pattern interrupt? How can I future pace where people see themselves working with me? In fact, I'll ask you, I'm just going to give you a real life example. I want you to imagine for just a moment that you hired me as a coach. He said, okay, Wayne, it's July. I'm ready to hire you. Come on board. You hire me as a coach. And we work together. July, August, September, October, November, December. And you're looking at the first of the year and you're looking back at today as the beginning of that and going, wow, look at where I'm at from where I was. How would that feel? Because the reality is, you know what you want your future to look like. You already know it. I don't have to paint that image. If you know what your ideal future would look like and you know how you feel emotionally. With me, that's what I want you to think about in your own business. How can you help people do this? How can you show the tendency to imitate? How can you show people what people are already doing? The bandwagon effect. Children, you call it. And if you have something of a, when I say moral quality, if what you're doing is really helping people, people want to help others, period. Can you show them how this will help? In fact, that's a great question. How does my service contribute to the greater good. Maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, that's okay. But if it does, and I'm sure it does if you really ponder on it, how does it contribute to the greater good? Let that be known. And you don't have to wave your hand and say, hey, look at me, we're great people. But instead of doing that, just show it through your normal actions. So influence is power. So I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, I've given you 11, 11 things to write down today. Some of you took more, hopefully. But influence is power. How do you see yourself using the ability to persuade yourself and others? How do you see yourself doing this? I have a, um, I have a whiteboard over here to my right. And on the whiteboard, I have written out my goals, my dreams, and what it will accomplish for my family and other people. All on one little whiteboard. And what do I do every day I walk in here? I look at it first. When I'm sitting at my other desk, I'm looking at it. I'm staring at it. I'm focused upon it. What am I, how do you see yourself using the ability to persuade yourself and others? And I asked this earlier, but I really want you to think about your future. Six months, 12 months from now. And how you'll feel. You have to, until you can own that emotion, how can you give it to somebody else? you can own that emotion, then you can make the right decisions. So um, I want to open this up. I'm going to stop the recording in just a second. And because we give this part free. And then the, uh, the Q&A is just for uh, people that have jumped on live and or our private coaching clients. So uh, I want to jump on. Before I do, though, there is two options to work with us. Um, that's our hybrid group and private sessions and the inner circle. If you want more on that, go over to the website, send me a text message. Let's hop on a phone call. We'll take 10 or 15 minutes. I can explain it very easy. Uh, in those, we're going to work on, but I will say this. If you're coming just looking for sales skills, we can bring that. And I will say second to none. However, I want to work on your mindset also. We will learn to influence yourself so you can better influence others, and then that'll make a bigger impact. 
So in our private coaching, there's times when we're going to work simply on sales skills and language and patterns. And there's other, we're going to look on marketing. And then sometimes we're going to talk about youth. But I promise all three is going to help you get to where you want to be. With me, that's what's important. So um, again, yourpersuasioncoach.com. And with that, I'm going to stop the recording and I'm going to open up for any Q&A. Awesome, awesome. Hey, Kim, how are you? Hey, Maury. Okay, any questions on suggestibility? Any questions on anything we covered or not? Maybe something totally different than what we covered. Hey, Kim. Hey there. Hey, Wayne. So what question would you have if you had a question, Kim, on any topic when it comes to influence or persuasion or your business, anything at all? Look at my notes. <laughs> Good notes. Proud of you. You know I have them. <laughs> um, I mean, so you said there were certain things that you said about, um, like I was trying to think of how to influence people, like if I'm either selling or um, like on Clubhouse or something like that, or talking to them on the phone. I think when you said something about the ATM machine and Venmo, like I'm going to be helping people with their LinkedIn profile and that sort of thing. And people don't realize it's changing. So the LinkedIn profile is changing um, or LinkedIn itself is changing, but a lot of people don't know, uh, you know, it's owned by Bill Gates, right? So <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to change. It's, it's changing uh, quickly. So I thought that was an interesting um, there were just certain things that came up as you were getting yeah, so basically what you want to do there Kim is just come up with a simple metaphor like I used the um, I used the barbershop which was a reality uh, my buddy's vending machine he called today he's like I want to sell these stupid machines and so over and we pay for them three times over we make profit every week but I'm through with it um, I'm like yeah that that industry has declined not inclined so, but having a metaphor, for example, with LinkedIn and so forth, and if you can use a person even better, but there was a time when you wanted a better job, what did you do? You looked in something they used to call a newspaper. <laughs> right. You actually wrote out this resume and you <laughs> to the resume you applied. So here's a good one for you. This is a, tr a true story. In Wilmington, there's a, uh, and we've all heard of GE, General Electric. But they have a plant here, a power plant here. And there was a gentleman who said when they came here 33, 34 years ago, that was the place. Everybody was going to get a job there. Now, this is before, obviously, before Internet. This was obviously before um, Employment Security Commission offices and stuff. You went there and you applied. They hired you or they didn't. He's Wayne had nothing. Late 20s about to lose everything. I went in with my resume and they said, thanks, but we're not hiring at this point. Okay. He said, the next morning I woke up and thought, well, I have an option. Wait, hope they call me or show up again. <laughs> You've heard of these stories in the past. But I know this guy. He said, I went, we have nothing. That's okay. And he would sit down in the lobby he said, and I would sit there. I'd get up, I'd use the restroom, get to the water fountain, had a bottle of water by then. He would go back and he would sit again. They started noticing him. Why is he here? He's here for a job. We told him there's not, sir, we told you, to, oh, that's okay. 
I'm just waiting. Because the position's going to open up or somebody's going to quit. He said, I did this for almost three weeks. Two weeks. I forgot the exact date. It was almost three weeks. The gentleman walked out. He said, you're one uh, persistent <laughs> SOB. The only thing that we have open is in the warehouse. And that is, you know, basic warehouse duties, whatever that may be. We know you've told me that you've got a degree. I don't have anything for you. He said, I'll take it. He worked for 30 years. On side, outside of that, he opened up a limousine business. He opened up a roofing business where he basically just sold roofing to people and contracted it out. Um, I saw him last about three years ago. And he said to me, uh, he was, we were laughing about this story. But where I saw him was at the Cadillac dealership. And he was buying two $90,000 Escalades, one for him, one for his wife. He's extremely successful. And he said, I didn't take no for an answer. When I didn't know how to open a roofing business, but people were getting re roofing, I decided to open a roofing business. Didn't know anything about it. I learned as I went. Shortened that story. But people used to go stand at the door. People used to get stand there and get inside and show up day after day that he hired. That wouldn't work today. First of all, you wouldn't get in the door today. You know? So... That is a story I would bring around. And just as things have changed now, X amount of years, LinkedIn was the way to go. But do you know LinkedIn is changing quickly? It's, did you know it was owned by Bill Gates? Give one or two facts that the fact that Bill Gates owns it or not really doesn't matter. But if you make it matter, it does. And then you want to talk about how they can, how they can reach their goals by working with you. Just that simple. And again, future pacing. So future pacing, Kim, is I want you to imagine one year from now, 18 months, two years from now, you're at that perfect job. You know the salary you're getting, the recognition you're getting, blah, 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 whatever. Looking back at today as the beginning. Very important language there. Looking back at today as the beginning of all of that. And I want you to notice how that feels. And as soon as you say, I want you to notice how that feels, working with me or with me, that's my goal for you. Because then what you've done is you've unconsciously attached that positive, hopeful expectation future to you now in the present. Make sense? I want you to know how that feels. I want you to think about how that feels. I want you to notice how that feels. Yeah. And then working. Well, it's not just the image. If I take it, if I go ahead three years in the future and have an image of something, that's great. But what if it's a good positive future? What does that look like? I'm going to Nashville next week. Um, doing some work, doing some playtime, but I want to know how it feels to walk into the Grand Ole Opry. I want to see it. I want to experience how many people have been there. I want to feel how that feels. And my wife's smiling and we're having a good time. Now I don't mind paying $250 a ticket. <laughs> Otherwise, if it's just, how much are tickets? That's ridiculous. <laughs> but you want to bring people future pace into how it's going to feel, how it's going to look, the music, the experience. Okay. Any other questions? Hope that helps, Kim. No, it does. And then after you give them that feeling, then you talk about working, working with me. And then it connects the two. Is that what you're saying? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah. Got it. Anytime you elicit an emotion, like positive emotion, happiness, whatever, then you want to, you, you literally use the verbiage with me, with my company, with my service. Um, because any emotion looks for an attachment. Every emotion, let me rephrase that. Every emotion looks for an attachment. You ever know those, I'm sure to say girls, but we'll say girls or guys, those people that always end up with the wrong person. (laughs) How did you end up with that person again? They've got patterns, what they're looking for. But a lot of times these, these, I'll just say girls and guys, these, these women get these, these guys elicit this emotion. I mean, you know, I mean, they go with the bad boy. I'm the bad boy. With the bad boy elicited bad girl emotions, they attached it to them. The problem is they had other issues. But it's the same thing. We've, some of you have heard me say, don't kill the messenger. The reason that statement is so true, the messenger would go to the king. And they would say, oh, I'm sorry, we lost all the troops. They took your wife. They took your resources. The cattle's gone. The gold is gone. Well, the king is now in an uproar. If you read the Bible, a lot of times they ripped their clothes. They, they tore their clothes. Well, that anger was negatively sent to the messenger. And it's just a messenger. And many times they would behead the messenger. That's where don't kill the messenger's reality. Same thing. You can elicit positive emotions about working with you. Awesome. Future pace yeah. out working with you. And then never let that emotion just sit out there, attach it to yourself by saying with me, with our company, let's take a look at our program. Okay. Hope that helps. It does. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, as far, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correct, by the way, uh, my friend. But uh, do you have any thoughts, any questions? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and your pronunciation is fine. Um, yeah, no, that was really good. Um, I, I've... Uh, I've seen maybe a little bit of an LP before. I've attended a few things, so I kind of understand understanding that you've got language yes. patterns there. That's great. Now, just if you could talk a little bit more about what you mean by, you know, um, changing the mindset, you know, getting mindset prepared for this, because I, I can see the technical aspect of it or the language patterns that that makes a lot of sense. But it, I'm most interested in what you're talking about there in terms of our own mindset and preparation for this. If you could expand on that, that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the way your mind works, the mind works based on the, the concept of what we've been taught. And the, just like we would suggest somebody else, by imitation, uh, we, we follow these same scripts in our head. Uh, we have to be careful because everybody is suggesting things to us every day. We live in a marketplace mentality. You know, you're overweight, you need this diet pill. You're ugly, you need this makeup. You're whatever, you need this. Everything is, you know, the whole world is screaming, you suck and you're not enough. Now, you can't see it. Kim laughing. It's true. On my window over here, I have a big window overlooking my community. And I took a Sharpie, or I took a, a dry erase marker, and I wrote, I am enough. With the letter self, nowhere enough. Because the world will tell you you're not. But back to what you were asking, Asbel, a lot of that is if I'm going to influence someone to buy my product, buy my service, hire me as a coach, whatever, then I need to be able to influence myself to do what's necessary. That means do the work, mindset, skill set, effort, but also 
getting into that state of mind. You notice if you see somebody in a, in a great state of mind, their physiology changes. Somebody's depressed, their physiology changes. So it's part of getting our physiology. Part of, and one thing that I do is gratefulness. Um, I really believe great is you cannot be grateful and in fear at the same time. So we want to prime our, and I, this I picked up from Tony Robbins, Brendan Bouchard, and some of my own NLP studies, but you want to prime your mind for gratefulness to see opportunity. Because when you do, there's different parts of the brain that work. If you start off your day negative, you start a sales call negative, you meet somebody negative, you literally can have, you truly, if you look at the blood, there's cortisol going through the blood. Cortisol not only slow, slows your process, mental process down, it also, your intelligence score lowers. If you can get yourself in a state of mind where you're actively, you're positive, then a couple of things happen. Number one, you process information quicker. Literally, the prefrontal cortex, uh, the cortex is lit up on if you were to do um, imaging of it. So you're thinking, you're quicker, you respond quicker. You're solution-oriented. Somebody says, oh, wow, like, well, Kim, that sounds great, but I really can't afford it. And Kim's in a mood like, oh, kind of expected you to say that's what the last three clients said. You know, Then all of a sudden, her she starts making excuses of why it doesn't work. Instead, if she's got gratefulness working, if she's got her mindset on what she's, not only her own self, but how she's going to help people, well, Kim, that sounds great, but I don't know if I can afford it. Then Kim can come back and say, listen, let's find a solution. Is it okay if we find a solution? If the budget seems to be the issue then let's find a solution for it. Does that sound fair? And your mind starts working that way. So as for what I do in the mornings, and again, this is just me, I'll give you a quick version of it. Um, I begin with prayer. That's just me. Why ever get out of the bed? I get up, start my day. When I have my, my meditation, my gratefulness is in the shower. I'm in the shower. Nobody's going to bother me. I have four daughters at home. You may hear them. They're not going to bother me. Everything's good. And I literally... Put my hand on my chest. You know, it's really weird. If you put your hand on your chest for two minutes, you literally decrease cortisol levels in your brain. It's weird. Just holding your hand there. Oxytocin. Oxytocin increase just by holding your hand there. But anyway, hold my hand there, and I think of one thing that I'm grateful for. Just one. Today was one of my business partners. I, you, know, I, you know, I'm really grateful for him. And then I give my reason why. And I'm not just praying. I do pray about it, but I'm really just, I'm, I'm, I'm telling my own consciousness, we're going to be grateful today because this person's in my life. And I sit on that for a minute. And then I uh, literally remove my hand. I think of something else and I lay my hand back on there. And I do the second. And then I do it a third time. What I have done is taken anywhere from three to eight minutes and I prime my mind to start thinking, looking for things that are positive. Then I have a short declarative statement that I make. If you haven't read Affirmations, that's kind of where I go with that, um, which is a great book. I also uh, have a Bible verse that I repeat based on that. Then I start my day. That doesn't mean stuff doesn't happen, but at least I'm looking for gratefulness. I'm looking for that. I'm expecting it. Throughout the day, I look at people in my industry that have done great things. 
And key is, can I look at it with learn and celebrate with them or do I look at it with envy? And when you first start doing this, you, I'm not saying you, but a lot of people find themselves looking at somebody with envy. And I'm like, why do I feel that way? How would it be if I could look at that person without envy and really look at them with the place of uh, happiness towards them? Okay, I sold 50000 in volume this month. They sold 100000 What's up? How would it if I looked at it from a place of gratitude for them? It starts changing the mind. And you go from not, why are they doing better than me? And how can I do that? How can I do that? Who could help me do that? Why is it so easy to be able to double my sales? So there's a lot of things inside there. But back to answer your question, we start with them ourselves first, then others, and then that's where your impact comes. The Bible says capture every vain imagination. We're the thoughts that we have, we're to capture them, test them. Is this a good thought? If it is, great, let's use it. If it's a bad thought, let's discard it. So, um, any other questions, guys? Maury, if you can speak, thanks for jumping on. Um, Kim, if you have any more. Brandon. No, I just like the that mindset piece that you just showed. Hold on, am I on my mic? Can you hear me? Am I like far away? <laughs> um, no, I just wrote down, um, you know, instead of instead of being like worried about other people's success, uh, I just wrote down, I'm so grateful to be able to learn from other success that you just kind of gave me like, uh, like a <clears throat> mind blown type, type thing, light bulb, light bulb just went off, you know, as we, we continue, as you say that we are told every day that we suck is because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other success and to be able to, to be grateful to look at what they've done and be able to collapse time and not have to go through all their messes. Um, I think that's a, that was a huge light bulb moment for me. Light bulb. Yeah, thank you. Good. And I want you to think about that. How can, you know, we get to celebrate someone in success, also understanding that their success is really a lot of times just Instagram or Facebook success. You don't know their struggles. Um, one thing I learned from working with some very, very successful high dollar coaches, when I say working with them, working for them and helping someone create their marketing program was we only sell the sizzle. They sell you the trip to the Bahamas. They don't sell you getting groped at TSA. <laughs> it's part of it, though, right? So, guys, I hope this has been helpful. As for I thank you very much. I hope this has been helpful. Um, if I will say this, if you're open to learning, coaching with us, we definitely uh, – Brandon's been with me for quite a while now. So, um, we definitely focus on you. Uh, even in our group coaching, we want to help that individual person as much as we can. Um, and I'll say this, that's my purpose on life, in life. That's my mission. That's my divine purpose. I know that. So it's not just, a, it's not just, hey, let's start a business. I'll be a coach. No, this is my divine purpose. It's what I'm trained for. I really believe that's what I'm uh, called for. So, um, but yeah, yourpersuasioncoach.com. And if you have any more questions, I have a five in five minutes. I have a, I have a coaching client that I need to get on with. So I'm going to end this call. Thank you all for being here. If you're not in the Slack channel, send me a message. Let's get in the Slack. Find me on Facebook under Neuro Persuasion. Um, and we'll talk soon. I appreciate it, guys. Go to yourpersuasioncoach.com for more powerful resources on how to influence yourself, influence others, and impact the world.